for me, Matt, I feel like the most stressful times at work are when you feel like nothing is within your control. You know, that feeling like the company's running out of money, you have a nutty new boss, you have a project with a wildly unrealistic deadline or budget, or you've stretched yourself to such a physical limit that you feel like you're going to snap. I've been there. I think we've all been there. That one time, I was giving a speech to a big bunch of new employees, and all of a sudden, I felt like I was going to pass out. So I'm on stage. My mouth is saying, you are going to love working here. <laughs> but my body was saying, hey, sister, can you ever get a decent night's sleep? Oh, you know? So I literally had to walk over to the podium and hold on so I didn't fall down. No way. So, okay, that's when you realize there are macro forces at work here that you have to exercise some control over. You can't just feel helpless and super stressed. So I have developed one key coping strategy for these situations. Uh, Please do tell. I lower my standards, Matt. That is really (laughs) the key here. Honestly, I can't fix the things that rain down on me, but I can fix some of the anxiety that is the result really of me overthinking or overdoing, or worse, and this is my go-to move, avoidance or procrastination, Uh right? My personal specialties. Yeah, I think a lot of us have that same specialty. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So one time I was working on a proposal for a business partner, and that thing just sat in my drafts file forever. You know, I really allowed it to torture me. I was rewriting sections. I was adding stuff. I was definitely losing sleep over this thing. So a colleague was in my office and I said, hey, would you read this? Tell me if it's okay. And he read it and he said, it's fine. What are you waiting for? Just press send. They'll have a million changes anyway. And he was totally 100% right. You know, sometimes you just need to press send. Just press send. I love it. What if the experience of driving a luxury vehicle wasn't limited to just inside your car, but extended out into the world around you? Introducing the well-connected 2019 Lincoln MKC with a suite of social tech capability that connects the world inside to the world outside. With Amazon Alexa, enabled with Sync3 AppLink, you have access to all the skills and services you get on your Echo. Alexa's activated by the sound of your voice. Hey Alexa, what's the weather like tomorrow? Currently, it's 46 And responds using your car's speakers. With the Waze integration that appears right on the nav screen, you'll transform traffic jam streets into clear roads. Got a load of friends? Keep them connected with a 4G LTE Wi-Fi hotspot that allows up to 10 devices to connect at once with Lincoln Connect. With the 2019 Lincoln MKC, life gets a little easier from the moment you leave home to the moment you return. Hey Alexa, open my garage door. Okay. Available via iPhone with Sync 3 with software version 3.0. Commands may vary by phone and AppLink software. Don't drive while distracted. Use voice operated systems when possible. Don't use handheld devices while driving. iPhone is a trademark of Apple Inc. registered in the US and other countries. The 2019 Lincoln MKC. Learn more at lincoln.com slash wondery. That's lincoln.com slash W-O-N-D-E-R-Y. From Wondery, this is Safe for Work. Job, stress, life relief. I'm Liz Dolan. And I'm Matt Ritter. On today's show, we'll be talking about stress in the workplace, from the bad bossery that can cause it to the best ways to deal with it. 
and we'll be joined by Tal Rabinowitz, who left her job at NBC to start a meditation studio. But before we do all that, I want to hear more about you, Matt, and your reaction to stress. When I said that my go-to move was like avoidance and procrastination, you agreed that you you have the tendency to do the same thing. And those are really not good, effective ways to deal with stress when you're working in a big law firm. Yeah. They're actually the worst ways to deal with stress because there's like a ticking clock and it's just in front of you and the emails are piling up and the documents are literally piling up in front of your face and it can cause you to go into this state of, it's almost paralysis. Paralysis, yeah. You know, and you're almost having this out-of-body experience where the stressed you is sitting in the chair next to you looking at the you and you're just like catatonic (laughs) and... I, it got to the point where it affected me physically, too, Yeah. because I couldn't get out of the chair, which would then – I'm in a chair for 12 hours. But do they stop billing for you when you get out of the chair? <laughs> yeah, Is that no, the way no. it works? If you're in the chair – The clock stops? Yeah, if you're in the chair, you're on the clock. You can't get out of the chair. There's a little cattle prod to keep you in that chair. But I got to the point where I physically – my back – went out on me and I was 26 mm-hmm. and my back totally went out on me to the point where I was now having to leave the office in the middle of the day to get electro stim acupuncture. Okay. Just to get me through. That's a red flag. Yeah. yeah. Just to yeah. get me through the work day. And I was like, I have to come up with some better coping mechanisms. You know, for, for me, one of them was like, just take a walk. Yeah. Yeah, just yeah. just walk around and sort of get back into your body. And in New York, that was easy because there's just so many sights and sounds. It kind of just snaps you back into the reality of existence outside of my little desk chair. I don't know. Have you ever been in that Yeah, situation? I'm just thinking more. It's like there's a stress related to work that makes you unhappy, which is one kind of stress. Yeah. But then there's also stress related to jobs that make you happy. You know, if you're on a creative deadline, it may not be the same thing yeah. that you have, you know, at a law firm. But I yeah. know that if I'm trying to write something, like for Satellite Sisters, if we're working on, you know, when we were doing our last book or something, and we have this self-imposed deadline of like every Sunday we're sharing pages with each other, there is stress related. I get stressed the day before I come up here. I'm like, I have to impress Liz. (laughs) Okay. Just take that off your list of things (laughs) things you need to get stressed about. No, but it is true. Even the things you enjoy the most, I mean, you want them to go well. Yeah. And I find that the behavior I had, say, in the seventh grade doing my homework is pretty much the behavior I still still a procrastinator. We're both procrastinators. I'm still waiting until the very last minute and then doing it the night before. Yeah, but I have that ability. You know, some people have that skill set, right? The the midnight ride all the way through. That's a skill. Yeah. Okay. Add that to your resume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a midnight rider. Hello, this is Juliet. Hey, Juliet. This is Matt and Liz from Safe for Work. How are you? I'm well. How are you, Matt and Liz? Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. How can we help you with your workplace issue? So I am currently working in a hostile environment, um, and I'm actively taking steps to get out. Okay. I've always considered myself a trusting person, but I've I've lost my faith in my boss's integrity at this point. Ouch. And... Yeah, and I want to make sure I make a graceful exit, and I want to also make sure that my boss can't ruin my career down the line. So I'm looking for strategies to protect myself. Okay, yeah, this is a very important question, and we get this a lot. I guess I wanted to hear a little bit more about how that manifests itself. Basically, how have you lost faith in this boss? What are some of the behaviors that you're talking about? I think it begins with um, her lack of 
self-trust, which started more with outsiders. And she actually admitted at one point to being a very skeptical person who who's usually looking for the malintention of someone. But when she challenged my integrity at one point, she proved that she didn't trust me. I've also, I know that she's like opened um, myself and my coworkers inboxes and wow. gone through there, which of course she has authority to do, but it definitely impacts our work culture. And one of my coworkers, she actually reposted her job before we were talking to her about it. You mean um, knew that she was going to replace her and posted the job before she let her know that she was out? Yeah, she posted it not because she knew she was going to replace her, but because she was considering replacing her. Okay. Ouch. So do you th- is she a classic bully or what do you think is really going on with her? I think, I think that there's a lot of insecurity and a lot of um, skepticism around people's intentions, both her employees and the people we work with. I don't know what the root of the problem is. All I know is that in the past few months, it's become very toxic. Okay, well, we only care about you, really, Julia. Yeah. We don't. We don't care about her. We're not going to diagnose her. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned in your letter to us that you were worried about her being vindictive. Is that something that you're concerned with, with regards to references? Um, no, because I I don't need to use her as a reference. I have plenty of other former colleagues and current colleagues who I can use as references. I I feel I've done good work in my current company, so I don't want to cleanse my resume of it, and yet. I'm concerned about maybe someone reaching out to her in the future when I didn't provide her as a reference, but if someone just reaches out to inquire or potentially um, that she might be upset with my leaving and reach out to a future employer and right. share her thoughts. And, and as an executive recruiter, I get this with a ton of candidates, and I know how yeah. scary that is to have a loose cannon just in your in your closet, you know, and it's not really a skeleton in your closet because you've done great work. And it sounds like you've handled it in the sense that you realize you don't have to give her as a reference. You know, companies, if they've asked you for references and you've given them, the chances are they're probably not going to go outside of that and seek her out. And, you know, I think even people who are a little bit crazed and feeling burned don't always usually go out of their way to burn somebody. Mm -hmm. But if it's presented to them, they might, you know, but it sounds like you've already cut that off and you've done a good thing by realizing you don't need to use her as a reference. Because I always tell people, if you're not 100% sure that you're going to get a glowing recommendation, that's not the person that you call. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So you don't think there's, I should be concerned that she'll be able to seek out other ways. She could, but um, I I mean, it just takes a, I mean, it takes a lot. That's like a high level of vindictive. I know a lot of vindictive people, but that's like a high level to go out of your way for, you know, an employee who's leaving. Yeah. And Juliet, I'm just thinking back over my entire career of hiring, you know, hundreds of people in all kinds of businesses. I don't think I've ever had a former boss reach out to me in any way and try to take someone down. I don't, you know, of course it's possible and I completely understand your fear. Uh, But I just don't think that it happens very often. And even when it does, if I'm me, if I'm the boss and and your former, I'm the hiring boss, and your former mm-hmm. boss is reaching out to me to try to somehow bring you down. I'm super suspicious of that. So the, I wouldn't even 
take that very seriously if someone tried to do that yeah. at all. Um, okay. so, I'm glad to hear you've never had that happen because all my candidates are always super concerned about that. And I always tell them, I doubt that would happen, but I'm glad to hear from them. No, I really, I, I'm trying to think, like, has that anyone really ever gone behind the whole process and reached out and said, no, this person isn't, no. And they're I, risking defamation issues if they do that, you know, proactively go out right. of their way to try to badmouth somebody in a potential job. Yeah. And, you know, a bully like this tends to be super narcissistic and very focused on their day-to-day, what's exactly in front of them. And so once you are out of sight, you will probably be out of mind. That would be my guess. That may not help you sleep at night because you, <laughs> you, you still have to get out of sight. And I, again, completely understand the fear. But yeah. uh, I think it's great to hear you say that you are proud of your work. You want to make sure it's on your resume. Those are all fantastic things to hear, Juliet, and I think would make you really great in your interviews. And you've obviously had some already. And if you can present yourself that way in the positive way that you've done with us, uh, your new employer is going to see that and be able to see the quality of your work. And that's what they're hiring on. That's comforting. Thank you so much. I mean, you're still going to have nightmares about that boss. And now <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have nightmares about old bosses, too. We all, I think we all can relate to that. Thank you. You're welcome. That's all great advice. Okay. Good, good luck l- to you. Good luck out there. Thank you. Okay. Have a good one. I've been using Dollar Shave Club now for a couple of weeks, and I've noticed a big difference. Now I also have not just the razors. I have a whole ritual because I use the shampoo and the body wash And I'm using Dr. Carver's shave butter, which is clear. So I don't have to do that thing where I'm trying to just guess where I'm shaving. I can actually see it, and I don't miss any spots. It goes on clear. So I love that. And I'm not going to lie, I definitely get a lot of use out of the One Wipe Charlies. Since they deliver everything to you, there's no more last-minute moments where I'm out of razors or I'm out of shaving cream. And I like that they actually send you a reminder. So I get the email, and I can either take the product as is Or I can say, oh, you know what? I actually need more shampoo or I need more body butter. Also, I can pause it. If I'm like, oh, actually, I haven't used it or I'm heading out of town, I can put it on hold. So it's really efficient. So I'm really feeling good about my morning routine and I'm confident that I'm actually getting a great clean shave and my face feels really smooth. So clean up your bathroom and your morning routine. Join Dollar Shave Club today and for just $5 with free shipping, you'll get the six blade executive razor plus trial sizes of the shave butter, body cleanser, and the One Wipe Charlies, which I love. Then keep the blades coming for a few bucks more a month. Get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash safe. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash safe. Matt, you know, I love work, but my actual favorite activity is actually sleeping. It's a good one. I enjoy <laughs> I it as well. I love it. You know, I know. We spend a third of our life in the sheets. So... Having really good bed linens just really changes the quality of my life. So a couple weeks ago, I ordered the Lux Hardcore Sheet Bundle from Brooklinen. It is a silky soft cotton fabric. It feels so great, and it looks great, too, because like right now on my bed, I have the sky blue sheets, but you can mix and match. So I got the navy dot 
pillowcases. I like it. I actually have enjoyed making my bed now because it feels so soft. Oh, yeah. Well, that no, that's a bridge too far for me. I'm sleeping. <laughs> I'm sleeping in my bed, not making my bed. But I do enjoy it so much that this week I ordered a whole extra set for my guest room <laughs> because I'll confess, normally I just like recycle my old sheets into the guest right. room. I don't, know. I don't have that many guests, right? But I love these sheets so much I decided my guests deserve their own set. You're giving Brooklyn them the good sheets. stuff. I am. But I'm not giving away my stuff. I just needed more. So in the guest room now, I have the Bedford Navy stripe coming. I'm coming over. So, <laughs> sounds good. And you know, this really is luxury bedding underpriced. You you have to try them. They've got great colors and patterns. You can mix and match and just super comfortable. These really are the best, most comfortable sheets I've ever slept on. And you have to try them out. And right now, there's no reason not to, because here's how confident Brooklinen is. They offer a risk-free 60-night satisfaction guarantee, people. 6-0-night satisfaction guarantee and a lifetime warranty on all of their sheets and comforters. So here's what you're going to have to do. If you want $20 off and free shipping, you need to go to brooklinen.com and use the promo code SAFE, that's S-A-F-E, when you check out. The only way to get the 20 bucks off and free shipping is to use the promo code SAFE at brooklinen.com. And that's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com, promo code SAFE. Brooklinen, these really are the best sheets ever, and even my guests are going to start saying so. Welcome back to the show. If you have a burning workplace question and you need some advice, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at safe at wondery.com or leave us a voicemail at 424-224-5711. Again, our email is safe at wondery.com and you can send us a voicemail at 424-224-5711. Coming up is our interview with Tal Rabinowitz, who's a huge proponent of meditation, for relieving your work-based stress. But before we chat with her, let's take another listener call. Hello? Hi, is this Kathy? Yes, hi. Hey, this is Matt and Liz with Safe for Work. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? We're great. I understand you have a work issue. Let's hear it. I do. So uh, six years ago, when I joined my current company, I would have said I found my dream job. It's a niche market. I've always loved it. All my education and experiences in this area. I'd finally found a job in my dream city working for people I respect. Sounds great. Then then three years ago, there was a reorganization of manufacturing that affected the entire industry, and we took a serious hit company-wide. We're still seeing losses at the end of every year. Ouch. Ouch. That's so hard. Yeah. I feel a lot of personal loyalty towards the leadership but I'm having serious doubts about their ability to turn things around. They seem to be flailing, no plan for the future, very resistant to change because it's worked for the last 30 years. Oh, that's very so hard. unsettling when you're in the hard. workforce yeah. and you see that. So the younger members of management and I continue to pitch ideas to turn things around. They're mostly all rejected. Both my boss and the owner of the company are nearing retirement age. They don't seem to have it in them to tackle a complete overhaul of our strategy. So for six years, I've given the company all my time and energy. I'm super emotionally invested. I'm afraid we're not going to survive the changes. I feel lost as to what direction to take if I stay, but then I panic at the idea of leaving. Mm -hmm. How do I know how hard to fight for change when the owner of the company doesn't seem all that interested in changing? 
I see. So, you know, I'm, I'm hearing everything you're saying and I, I relate to it uh, on a personal level. I, I've, I've been in a situation where I've had what I would call somewhat misguided loyalty. I'm a diehard Knicks fan. And year after year, I hope for them to make the changes <laughs> that they need to make, even though they know all the other teams are making the changes. And it's never going to happen. And it's never going to yeah. happen. But I do it. You know, and I think, <laughs> un- unfortunately, you know, I think loyalty is important. It's a great quality. It sounds to me, you know, I don't know if, if you're feeling this, but maybe perhaps you're having a little bit of um, these warm and fuzzy feelings about your loyalty getting in the way of your of your judgment. Exactly. So, you know, I guess that's something that a lot of a lot of people face. You know, I, I had a family member that started a successful small business and they sort of same thing happened. You know, the industry changed and they couldn't really pivot for personal reasons and physical health. And, you know, I, I saw a lot of the employees struggling with the loyalty because when you're in a small company, you know a lot more about people, right? You know their sure, families. Sure, you feel like you're part of the family, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, so I understand that. But, you know, to me, it sounds like, unfortunately, the, all the signs are already there that you're going to have to do what, you know, unfortunately, what is best for you in this situation. Kathy, you know, a couple episodes ago, I mentioned um, my family business. It was we were caught in one of those industry wide shifts that just not only killed our business, but the entire sector that we were in. So this can have huge implications. And so when I hear you talk about where you are, it's not just that this company is poorly led. It's that the opportunity within the industry you are in is shrinking. Right. That's what I'm hearing you say. Right. That's exactly right. So I think you need to be thinking, how old are you? 36. I didn't mean to say you need to be thinking about how old you are, but I just wanted yeah, to know. Like, you're young. At what point, <laughs> yes. young. Plenty so, of time. Right. But I have a lot of years left. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So you're only 36 and you have an opportunity to make a change and also to grow your skills. So it, it's so great to hear someone say they found their dream job early in their career and you've learned a lot there and obviously had a great time. But I think you need to be asking yourself, Like, what are the new skills you want to acquire? What are the new things you want to learn? And what are you doing right now to do that? Because chances are you may have to just transition out of not just your job or your company, but your entire industry. So stepping back and really looking at what you love doing, what you're great at doing, and what your skills are. I think that's the important thing for you to be doing right now. And I think Matt's right. It's hard not to be clouded by your loyalty to the company, but... If you're not in senior management and you haven't had any luck changing their approach to it, if they're just going to kind of let it run out, you don't want to be there when that happens. Well, that, that's a great point then. So mm-hmm. that's kind of my question. So if I decide I want to get all romantic about this and go down with this sinking ship that I've built, what are the consequences of that, say, three years from now? Is that what you want to do? Yeah, I mean, you sound like you, you sa- it's like the Titanic, you know, you see the people on the on the boat listening to the music and yeah. you know the ship is sinking. <laughs> I yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, it sounds like you already know that that's not the 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 practical move for your career and it sounds like you know that you need to start, you know, addressing this. Well, I guess I'm wondering if it is it realistic say 3 years from now I'm at a job interview Am I going to look foolish, like I'm a failure, if I tell the story of, well, I stuck it out because I loved it? Or will that be damaging to me in a future interview? They're just going to think I'm crazy for staying. Kathy, I don't think you'll look foolish because I think most employers, if you were telling a story of loyalty and really trying to save the company to the end, would understand that. What I'm saying is that 
three years from now, you should not be in a job interview with the same set of skills and experiences you mm-hmm. have now. You need yeah. to, if you want to start planning yeah. for that job interview, what are the new things you need to be learning? Because you're not going to be going across the street to somebody who's in the same business, probably, right? Right, so right. So even if you do decide that you want to go down with the ship, which, just to be clear, Matt and I are not recommending no. that. <laughs> okay. No, get, get on one of those life rafts because <laughs> right. they're, yes. they're a limited number right. and you already right. have one now. You right. may not have one in three years. But if you want to stay and really yeah. stick it out, at the same time, you need to be doing something to prepare yourself for what your next move is going to be. I couldn't agree more with what you just said about that. As it, it's not disloyal to get yourself prepared for this, what sounds like an inevitability. You can still be loyal right. and prepare yourself. Yeah, and what's the worst that could happen? Say yeah. that some miracle happens, like the senior management does pull it out. You still have better skills. You've still retrained yourself in some right. way. But I think, I think at your age, you have more working years ahead of you than you have behind you. So you really need to think about not the next three years, but the next 10 or 20 years, even though it was your dream job. So it's sad when they go away, but there could be another dream job in your yeah. future if you get ready for it. Yeah. You just this call just made me realize I have to stop being a Knicks fan too. It's over. <laughs> no, it's funny you say that cuz hearing both of you say it it sounds so perfectly clear and and obviously the right thing to do. Your future feels very bright to me. You can you can make this transition. We're very glad you called and we could be helpful. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, Liz. Time for some more of those hard-earned zip tips. Okay. Here on Zip Tips, we discuss ZipRecruiter CEO Ian Siegel's hard-earned wisdom and how it can help both job seekers and employers look to hire phenomenal candidates. Okay, let's go. What's our first Zip Tip today? Well, you're the boss around here, so I'm not sure if you've experienced this, but one major stumbling block for employers is feeling overwhelmed about hiring when you know you have to do it. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, this is just something a lot of employers deal with. And Ian's big tip for this is you've got to get over your inertia. Uh Inertia is very powerful. I mean, I think it's like one of Newton's laws. Things that stay (laughs) inert, stay inert. Is that what Newton said? I don't know, mm, but okay. I know I know that he close he, enough. He I got know the that gist you got to have to get over it. It's it's a difficult a body decision. in motion. Yeah, right. Okay, a body not in, an employer not willing <laughs> not to sit motion. down and do the work yeah. to fill out the job description is not going to ever fill it out. So I know it's it's a difficult decision to hire somebody, and employers never know what to write. Sometimes they wait 30 days before they start interviewing. and They don't know how to vet their candidates. So, Liz, my question is, what advice do you have for these employers who are so stressed about hiring? Well, I think Ian's right. You just have to get over your inertia. And there are two parts of it that are intimidating. One is writing a job description. And I'd say this. It's really worth it to spend the time to write a great job description. It's going to help you so much later on because your candidates are going to be better. I I agree with that. When I'm sourcing candidates, I always tell the employer, the better the job description is, the easier it's going to be for me to get these better candidates to you. Yeah. So really think about it and don't just slap in the one that used to exist. Spend the time. I know you don't have the time, but spend the time thinking about how has this role really changed or where do we want it to go in our future organization? Then let the process do what it needs to do. And then the other place you really need to spend time 
is interviewing the candidates, which means you really need to prepare for the interviews. Make sure you've looked at their resumes. Make sure you understand what's happening on the job. Don't do a half-assed job interviewing people because then you've really wasted all the preparation that that's been done for you. That drives me crazy. People do it all the time. I, and I get these candidates, they, they say, yeah, it doesn't seem like they even looked at my resume I know, until I know. the second I have been that, that I got person. into their office. Yeah. I have been the person with the file in front of me that's like, oh, God, oh, now yeah. I have to do an interview? Yeah, but that, you know, that and that's an organizational thing where you have to be on top of that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Liz, moving on to our second tip of the day. Okay. Ian says to talk like a Viking. <laughs> okay, talk like a Viking. What if my uh, skill set does not include Old Norse? Oh, you don't speak Old Norse? <laughs> no, oh, no. Listen, I do, but most people probably don't. I'm going to interpret that as uh, being bold and direct, right? Like the Vikings, they just point to a chicken and they grab it and they go, that's what I want. So I think it's this idea as an interviewer, as an employer, you have to tell the job candidates what you want and, and be more direct. You know, what are your thoughts? Uh, what is your advice in that area? Mm-hmm. Well, I think, you again, you really have to prepare so that you have a set of kind of fact-based questions you want to ask to make sure that you're getting the facts about who this person is, what their experience is, and some open-ended questions so that you can see how they think, how their mind works, how they react to things. And I know I tend to go heavier on the open-ended ones. And sometimes after the fact, after I've interviewed a whole bunch of candidates, I haven't taken the the right notes about their answers to the fact-based yeah. questions. I, I, I think so. it's important, too. I get a lot of candidates asking me, you know, why didn't they ask me any direct questions? I'm still unclear about what this is. Yeah. Well, I think it's also important not to be super formal in the conversation, too. So even though you're the chicken and I'm I'm grabbing you. Uh, I really want I want us to be able to see if we connect, if we think alike, if you can respond to the way I am, because I'm going to be direct and maybe even bold when I'm your boss. So if you don't respond well to that, then I can find that out right in the interview. So modern day Viking. (laughs) Modern day Viking. Thank you, Ian, for the tip. Okay, joining us now is Tal Rabinowitz. After she left her job as an exec at NBC's comedy division, she made a drastic career change and opened a meditation studio here in L.A. And she's here to talk about the importance of meditation and mindfulness in dealing with stress at work. Tal, thanks for joining us on Safe for Work. Thanks for having me. You have had an interesting career path from (laughs) entertainment exec to now owner of a meditation studio. Tell us how you decided to make that change. How? I mean, it's kind of a a weirdly long story. It was slow. I mean, I was in entertainment, which I loved. Um, I got paid to laugh every single day, which was amazing. And as that job, I'd say like my last year of that job, I was a little antsy and not feeling it. And I had this idea, but I never actually thought I would do it. And then when that job ended, I took some time. I really needed a break. People who are kind of in those corporate jobs, Mm -hmm. you sometimes just need a break. Um, and I you re- need some deep cleansing yeah. breaths. We you, both had those transitions <laughs> yes, before. You do. And, and I'm really adamant about it with my friends who take the break and they're still looking for jobs. I'm like, no, if you say you need the break, you need to actually tell people you're not looking mm-hmm. for a job because that's the only way you can actually like detach and take the moment. to. And then things get clearer. So for me, in that moment, I wasn't ready to go back for whatever mm-hmm. reason. I wasn't feeling it. I was a little bit bored's not the right word, but I constantly need to be challenged. And I wasn't feeling the challenge in that moment. This idea was always lurking for Den Meditation. 
And I had done like little things here and there, whether it be like research or kind of my list of what do I need to do to start a business like this and all these things, like pick the name. But I wasn't diving in because I knew once I would dive in, it would just mm-hmm. happen. So it took probably maybe like nine months later, 10 months later, I finally was like, I think I'm going to do it. And we were open within like four months. It was crazy. And was this the first small business you've ever yeah. run? Yeah. So you just <laughs> I mean, right I think in. I always tell people it takes a little bit of crazy. You got to yeah. be slightly crazy. And did you have people telling you not to do it? I didn't tell anyone. Uh-huh. Oh, that's interesting. But that's how I work because I, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I, mean, <laughs> I don't want your opinion. So we're an advice show. That's just the opposite of what we do here. No, I mean, it's I didn't tell people because I knew people would think it was crazy. And I also, it, it's a little bit of my own ego. And my point is like until it's actually happening, like until I know I have a location and it's happening, what's the point on telling people? I also feel like people do that a lot. They talk, they talk, they talk, but they're never actually doing anything. Yeah. So for me, I was more like, I'm going to do it. And then I'll tell people when it's actually hap- when there's actually something to talk about. So that's kind of what I mean more. Obviously, you know, my husband knew about it because he was helping me with it. And a few key people knew, but very few people knew. Like very it actually shocked people when I sent emails like, hey, this is what I'm doing and we're opening. And like it was very fast. So what is den meditation? What's the core idea? So the core idea started basically to have a meditation studio where you could drop in and take classes that were quick and could fit with, I would say, an everyday person's schedule, um, but yet have guided classes. So it's it, in a sense of like a yoga studio, there's classes all day and you can come in and take classes. It's a little bit bigger than that in the sense I look at it as a place to find yourself and learn who you are. So it's really more for me, and I think it's developing that way as like a wellness center. Obviously, meditation classes are there all day, but we do retreats, we do workshops so people can dive deeper. We do healings, so like Reiki healings and cranial sacral healings. We do one-on-ones. We just do a ton of stuff that I think all helps people in different ways just figure out who am I? How am I comfortable with that? How can I love myself a little bit more? Because I think everything else rolls out from that. I think for us, for our listeners in the workplace, that's something that I think a lot of them could connect to because we wanted to ask you how you can apply this in the workplace, this idea of mindfulness. Absolutely. I mean, it's huge in the workplace. I mean, that's when I started meditating was actually in my old job. And it's a, again, in these, some of these really high stressful jobs, you're just exhausted and you stop even seeing things clearly. So I think just taking a beat every day, whether it's 20 minutes, 10 minutes, if it's twice a day, and taking that moment, it really does help clarify things for you. So even if you're working on a big project and you're creatively stuck, I think creatively it gets your juices going. Um, it helps you see through the bullshit a little bit and not let you get react to maybe what your coworkers doing where and you know how that is there's so much petty shit like in the workplace right. whether it's like they're doing this now they're getting the credit but it was really mine i think it does help you go a level above on how to handle those situations how to look at things from an, like a bigger overarching perspective when you say it what is it what am i doing if i am being mindful in the having a rough day at work just come out of a terrible meeting i think it's meditating i think that's where the word gets confusing i mm-hmm. think whether you're doing whatever type of version it is for you for some people it's tm especially especially in Los Angeles, whether it is like a mindful embrace practice or self-compassion practice or breathing exercise. I mean, there's so many different ways you can meditate. I think if you can take, even start with 10 minutes in the workplace or at home Mm -hmm. or go to a studio in the morning or at lunchtime or afterwards, whatever works for you. I mean, I started a studio because I like to be somewhere I need to be held accountable. Like I'm Mm -hmm. not doing push-ups on my floor either. So (laughs) that's just my personality. But whatever works for you, I think if you can incorporate it into your life, you will start noticing the differences how you walk through life every day. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I, I would say that I call myself a, a failed meditator. We were talking about this. <laughs> I go through these spurts yep. where I'm really into it, and I do it for a month, and then I just it just lapses, and then I just am like, oh, man. Hard to get back I, on. Yeah. Do you have any advice for people? How, how, do, how do you not be a failed meditator? What I used to say to myself, because I, I struggled when I first started meditating, because I had a lot going on in my life. I was going through a divorce. I had a crazy job, a lot of stress. And I remember there were times I would sit down and it would just be awful. And I would say to myself, you know what? I just sat down for 20 minutes and did nothing. Like I didn't look on my phone. I wasn't in a meeting. I wasn't dealing with anyone. So even though I know I was struggling to like drop in, that was already a gift to myself. And I think if you can like switch the perspective and look at it like that, it's very helpful. It's like, okay, at the very least, I'm taking five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it is for myself. So even if I don't feel like I'm dropping in or I'm getting a good meditation, that alone in today's day and age is a huge gift. And workplaces are so crazy. You know, you're in an open office or you're in a cubicle, but the people around you are making a lot of noise. It's really hard to even find the five or 10 minutes to find a place where you can go to do that. I have a friend who works in a very busy office in New York, and she finally just started going into a a supply closet. Yeah. And she goes in there for 20 (laughs) minutes and just, you know, I said, are you afraid someone's going to open the door and find you in there? She's (laughs) like, ah, whatever. You got to do you got to do what you got to do. That's, it's true. And I mean, the beauty is you can really do it anywhere. And that's where I think studios do help because you can just go there like after work during lunch or something and have a place. But you can do it in your car. You could do it on the subway if you're in New York. I mean, people fall asleep all the time anyway. So what's the difference if you're closing your eyes? I was just going to ask you about that because Honestly. I personally uh, was annoyed. I was at it. Not your studio, some other studio. And Snoring. I fell asleep. And I snore. I started <laughs> snoring. And this woman gave me a pretty hard shove and woke me up. I thought I had achieved what I was supposed to achieve Bliss. there. Bliss. Yeah, but I was happy. Woman meaning another person or no, the, the teacher? the instructor. Yeah. You know, that's it's a tricky area. We, we deal with that a lot. Um, snoring. Yeah, it happens. Oh, okay, good. I'm not the only snoring. No, I don't think of it as snoring. I think of it as the one person in the room who's ruining it for everyone else. <laughs> oh, ruining it, ruining it. Okay. I thought I was the one who achieved yeah. the highest form of meditation. And you know, prevented I, everyone else from getting there. Yeah, look, I mean, there's, there's two sides to it. It's A, we always say whatever's bothering you the most in a meditation is actually what you're supposed to be practicing. So if sounds, like whether it's snoring or... If you're on the subway and people are talking or if you're in a studio and people are loud outside and that's like just driving you mm-hmm. crazy, you got to like take a moment and realize, oh, that's actually what I need to practice. That's yeah, they need to block out my, my snoring, all these other people. For them, for you, <laughs> I, it's, it is tricky because sometimes people do like you might get like a really loud snore. I'm and sure it, I And am. it is really hard and there's different styles from different teachers. Some teachers actually won't touch someone because they're nervous like god forbid you have ptsd or you were in the military and you don't know mm-hmm. and like you don't know how someone could react coming out of that mm-hmm. some people do the light tap and it hopefully like wakes them up but i do tell people sometimes you fall asleep because you're tired and you need it yeah and do a lot of people come in in the middle of their work day or there are a lot of people yeah we do it's in? all different you know we have two studios so i'd say our studio city does better at lunch times because there's like a lot of um studios and networks and stuff there so there's a lot more people on that kind of schedule so people come in in the middle and go back and it's so helpful i mean it really is helpful just to have that mindset change a little bit in the middle of your day i feel that way even about 
getting up and going out for a walk in the middle of the day or something. I'm really bad about that. I'm a sort of eat lunch at my desk kind of girl. But I know it's better to just get up and walk around for 30 minutes. And yet for whatever reason, I very rarely force myself to do that. Well, look, isn't that the problem? Aren't we all horrible at taking care of ourselves? I mean, me too. It's like my biggest struggle, which is hilarious that I started a place for other people to take care. It's very my personality to be like, ooh, let me take care of everyone else and then not myself. And I'm working on it too. It's like really what I work on a lot. How do you how do you deal with the stresses of of this new and expanding business? I meditate, which is funny. It's funny because I I mean I always I'm pretty honest about this, and anyone who's ever listened to me have any interview is my practice went to shit when we first opened because I was so bad. I mean I was doing everything. I was like front desk running this. I mean I was doing everything. I had no life, and I had a newborn newborn baby at home, so it was. A lot. So my practice went out the window. So it was nice when I started getting my practice back. And it is helpful because there are those moments you wake up and whether it's a pit in your stomach or ner- or whatever's going on in the business that's, you know, exciting or terrifying. Um, I do. I try and actually meditate and just always remind myself that I know this might be a little too woo-woo for this show, but I've always been taken care of. And I don't mean by someone. I mean, I've always felt very supported, like, in the universe. I've always felt like if I work my ass off and put one foot in front of the other, it goes the way it's supposed to go. And so I just try and remind myself that and keep moving forward. Thanks, Howard Binowitz, for being on stage for work. This was lovely. In case you missed anything from this episode, just tap the cover art to check out the notes for today's show. You'll also find our email address, safe at wondery.com. And if you want to support the show, you'll find some great offers from our sponsors. Another way you can support the show is by filling out a small survey at wondery.com slash survey. It'll help us make the show better for listeners like you. This episode was hosted by me, Liz Dolan, boss emeritus and satellite sister, and Matt Ritter, comedian, recovering lawyer, and executive recruiter. Our original theme song is composed by Martin Blanco. Audio engineering by Misha Stanton, produced by Cameron Kell. Executive produced by Eileen King and Marshall Louie. Created and executive produced by Hernan Lopez for Wondry. Remember, workplaces can feel crazy, but you don't have to. Most days, you've got a lot of places to go and a lot to get done before you can even think about falling into bed at night. Wouldn't it be nice if you could stay connected to the world while you were out there getting it all done? What if the experience of driving a luxury vehicle wasn't limited to just inside your car, but extended out into the world around you? Introducing the well-connected 2019 Lincoln MKC with a suite of social tech, including Waze integration so seamless the map appears right on the screen. Amazon Alexa, with access to all the skills and services you get on your Echo, and a 4G LTE Wi-Fi hotspot that allows up to 10 devices to connect at once with Lincoln Connect. With your 2019 Lincoln MKC, you're transforming traffic jam streets into clear roads. Empowering your voice to instantly change your environment. Set temperature to 72 degrees. All to make life a little easier. And when you're finally done, Waze, take me home. Let's get started. You're getting a seamless experience right to the very end. Alexa, open my garage door. Available via iPhone with Sync 3 with software version 3.0. Commands may vary by phone and AppLink software. Don't drive while distracted. Use voice-operated systems when possible. Don't use handheld devices while driving. iPhone is a trademark of Apple Inc. registered in the U.S. and other countries.
The 2019 Lincoln MKC. Learn more at lincoln.com slash wondery. That's lincoln.com slash W-O-N-D-E-R-Y.